listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Hello, Victory family. Uh, hope you're all safe. We are on our, I think, second week of our ECQ, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, everybody's still on lockdown. We are still at home. And uh, it happened uh, that we are here uh, in the center uh, doing this uh, broadcast so that we can actually deliver to you the word today. But we do pray that you're all uh, safe and well, and uh, you're enjoying your time together with your uh, household and your family. You know, I remember when the kids were smaller, we would normally go out for a long drive, you know, whether going down south in Tagaytay or maybe going up north in, uh, uh, in Subic or maybe Clark. And the usual question at the back of the car is, are we there yet? And I'm pretty sure that you parents would be able to relate with me on this, that when you have younger kids, uh, they couldn't wait to get to their destination. Um, I uh, happened to watch a movie together with my wife, just I think last week uh, on Netflix, uh, uh, this movie entitled Passengers. And it's actually a space sci-fi movie. And the story of the plot, sorry for uh, this, not going to be a... Uh, a spoiler, okay, but it's an old movie anyway. Uh, the story goes that there's a migration from Earth to another planet in a distant galaxy, and in order for them to start a new colony or a new life. And, um, you know, it'll take about 120 years to reach the destination, and they had to be put on hypersleep. And so you can imagine, you know, the, the lifespan of a human is about 80, 90, and the travel time of this uh, spacecraft is about 120 years. And many of them are actually about 20, 30 years old. And so during the travel, in order for them to preserve their age and their bodies, you have to be put on hypersleep. Unfortunately, one of the passengers woke up after 30 years of sleeping, and he realized that he still had about 90 years to go in this trip. So can you imagine, if you do the math, he won't be able to make it to that Colony. Now, what did he do in the remaining travel time while he was alive? So many uncertainties because even the captain of the spacecraft and the crew and all the passengers were still sleeping. So many uncertainties. You know, in our world today, in light of the uncertainties, people have been asking if the recent events are actually the signs of the end times. Many people are asking today, Is this it? Is this world coming to an end? Is Jesus coming back soon? You know, if you look at some of the news, uh, whether you have a cable TV or YouTube, we see news about wars, floods, earthquakes, hurricane, erratic weather. You know, even the Western world are now not exempted from flooding. And imagine... You know, before, we can actually just see flood happen in Malabon, in Tondo, in Manila. Now, anywhere in the world, even in Germany, floods can come because of erratic weather. This COVID-19 pandemic, for example, seems not to stop. It's still going on, uh, even in our second year now in the pandemic. And we now see different variants from the original strain. You know, we're familiar with what you call this Delta variant that is said to be more contagious and more deadly. 
But despite the advice from medical experts, many people still do not want to get vaccinated. And there's a lot of different stories why that is. And I'm not really sure why people are have different qualms or fears maybe or concerns about not getting the vaccine yet for different reasons. There's a lot of conspiracy theories or myths about the vaccine. Some believe that it will alter your DNA or there's like a microchip that is a tracking device that is placed in your body the moment you receive the vaccination or maybe the mark of the beast injected in our system as we will read in the book of Revelation. Now, all these things can cause people to fear, to panic. I'm not really sure. For those of you who are watching now from your own home, I'm not sure what your thoughts are. Um, you know, if you have gone through vaccination or if you still have some thoughts or some uh, reservations about getting vaccinated because of all these things that we see on the internet. People tend to panic and people tend to lose hope. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul was addressing when he was writing the first letter to Thessalonians. In fact, uh, we're starting a brand new series and we're going to take this for our next five weeks. And as we study this book, it is our desire that our people, you know, the members, those who are attending our worship services, will be able to have a better understanding on how to live as believers, as Christians, in light of the near return of Jesus. And I believe that you uh, believe that Jesus is coming back. So how many of you uh, believe that, that Jesus is coming back soon, but we don't know when? You know, but this gives us hope. It gives us a purpose in the present time. And so, as we start this brand new series, uh, we're going to tackle the five chapters of 1 Thessalonians for the next five weeks. And we do hope that this will actually help us have a better understanding of the second coming and what we are expecting. So now, let's, not, not, let's now open to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter, five, uh, sorry, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And uh, we'll be reading the entire chapter of uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 since it's a very short read. Okay, so uh, I'm reading today from the ESV version. Okay, so if you have your Bible, just go ahead and open it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Or you may actually just go and look at the screen. Uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Just turn to the person beside you. Grace to you and peace. okay? We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel to you uh, came to you not only in word but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, in Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had 
among you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait, verse 10, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time today that as we study this chapter, I pray that you would give us endurance, give us hope, give us faith and the motivation of love to look forward to your coming and how we can actually serve one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, just to give us a uh, short background on uh, the Thessalonians book, uh, in chapter 17 of the book of Acts is where we see the context or the setting. And the Apostle Paul had the opportunity to uh, visit the great city of Salonika uh, or Thessalonica or Thessalonica. I, mean, I think you can see that in the map. And it's one of the most important cities uh, that they had during that time. It's a seaport, the capital of the province, Roman province of Macedonia is that. In fact, if you look at the modern map today, you can actually find it still in the northern uh, Greece. And the name of this town today is, uh, or the city, is Thessaloniki. Okay, so during that time, the historians were estimating that they had about 20,000 in population. So it was a big city. Of course, not as big compared to Manila. But during that time, about close to 2,000 years ago, can you imagine a city with 200,000? That's a lot of people. And it's a big city, a large and a major city during that time. It was a Gentile city, full of idols. But there was a Jewish synagogue where the Apostle Paul taught and preached the gospel for about three weeks. And he was with his uh, counterpart, Silas. Now, we read earlier that, uh, you know, he was writing it. Uh, and the authors of the book were Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Silvanus is not Silvanus. So Silvanus is the... Greek name of Silas. And so we know that Silvanus and Silas are one in the same uh, person. And so after three weeks of ministering in the synagogue, and so many people were getting saved, so many people were believing in the Lord Jesus, and some Jews, unfortunately, created a, uh, a fuzz, and there was a riot that arose among some of the Jews, and Paul and Silas were forced to leave town and to go to Berea instead. But what was amazing was this young church. Can you imagine? About a month of ministry. The Apostle Paul was talking to the people. He was teaching in the synagogue. And he was actually having an opportunity for them to be able to know who Jesus was. And so a church was birthed. But yet they had to leave. And what's interesting is that this church, young church in Thessalonica, continued on despite the brief stay of Paul in this town. And the reason why Paul was writing this letter is to encourage them. Because after being away for some time, I think about a year or so, he wanted to encourage them. In fact, he sent his uh, spiritual son, Timothy, to minister to them. A young church, growing believers, and I'm pretty sure that you who are new in the Lord can actually relate with this. You know, you're young in the Lord, just maybe got baptized, maybe you've just gone through Victory Weekend, maybe you've just gone through the discipleship journey and so on and so forth, and now you're going through this pandemic. There's a lot of difficulties, a lot of trials, a lot of afflictions, and they're being established in the faith. You are being established in the faith. It is a very difficult to, uh, city to live in and minister in, Thessalonians. 
a city filled with corruption during that time, intense persecution, and they needed to be encouraged that God was with them. You know what? In the midst of the affliction that they were enduring at that time, it was so easy to feel abandoned. It was easy to feel alone. It's also easy to just throw in the towel and give up. But they need to be reminded that God was with them. In fact, the church today needs to be reminded of similar things. We're going through an intense hardship. We're going through an avalanche of griefs. Many people are experiencing so many losses in life, but yet we must realize that God has not abandoned us. You know what? God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And I want to remind you, I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through right now, you know, people have gone through a lot of griefs, a lot of losses. Some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost loved ones. Some people have lost opportunities. Some people have, you know, even students have actually lost opportunities to graduate or maybe uh, walk or march uh, there uh, in the graduation ceremony. And so there's so many losses that we're all facing. But the reminder is this. God is still in our midst. And God is with us. And God wants to encourage us. Going back to the salutation of the Apostle Paul, he used grace to you and peace. You know, he begins a letter with grace and ends it with grace in chapter 5, verse 28. But he never uses again the word grace anywhere else in his letter. And some scholars are saying that the Apostle Paul was greeting two sets of people. He was greeting the Greeks and the Jews. You know, when you, uh, if you, if you live in that particular culture during that time, the Greeks would normally greet each other with charis or grace to you. That's the way they greet one another, grace to you. In fact, I want you to greet the, you know, the, your family members, grace to you. That's the way the Greeks, uh, you know, uh, greet one another. While the Jews, on the other hand, greet each other, shalom, okay? When they see each other, you know, uh, in the streets, they greet shalom, pass, shalom, okay? Which means peace. And so, you know, this greeting that the Apostle Paul used are, is probably uh, an amalgamation or maybe a combination of uh, the audience that he was ministering to that in the Thessalonian church, there's probably a mixed group of people, both Greeks, Gentiles, Gentile believers, and also Jewish believers. But I also believe that the Apostle Paul emphasized grace first because we can never have the peace of God unless we first experience the grace coming from Christ. That's why if you look at some of the letters of the Apostle Paul, it always uh, is said this way, grace and peace to you. Grace precedes peace. You know, in our life, we will never have the peace of God apart from the grace of God. We're saved by grace, and we are to continue to walk in Christ by His grace. Now, how many of you are saved by grace? And I'm pretty sure that you will all nod your head and agree with me. We're all saved by grace. We know that. But, you know, every single day that we walk in Christ, we are to walk in His grace. We're not to strive. We're not to work it out, you know, uh, you know and, and end up in good works. You know, we started with grace. We're walking in grace. Guess what? We're going to finish with His grace. And grace is the power of God that enables us to live holy lives. My question for us today is, are we depending on that grace? Or are we striving? Are we now moving in the flesh? Are we trying to just keep a holy life 
uh, you know, just by reading the Bible, maybe praying, going to church, or maybe uh, giving your tithes, you know, is that what Christianity is all about? Or are we depending on the grace of God in order for us to do those things? You know, how many of you know that it's hard for us to be holy and to be pure, to keep our eyes pure? It's only by the grace of God. How many of you know that it's, it's, it's hard for business people to, to say no to corruption or maybe a government official? It's by the grace of God. For those who are believers in the business or the marketplace, uh, believers in the government uh, institutions, it is the grace of God that helps us be a salt and light in those dark places. And we need to remember our God who gives us purpose. He forgives our sins. He gives us meaning in life. He's the one who uh, saved us. He, he wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life. He constantly provides for all our needs. Remember that last series. He promised that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're going through this pandemic, we will not fear for His rod and His staff, they comfort us. You know, we can always... Put our hope in the God who saved us. And you know, as we are going through these difficulties and hardships and struggles, you know, these are all a part of life. And He has a way of working out these things in our lives so that we can actually develop the character of Christ in us. The more we go through trials, the more we go through afflictions, the more we go through difficulties, guess what? I encourage you to just hold fast. Never give up. Hold on to the Lord. Do not give up. Tell the person beside you, do not give up. Put your hope in God. If you are uh, you know, able to type, you know, type, type on the chat box, put your hope in God. There is always hope. Of course, when you talk about hope, always, hope always refers to the future. But yet, we, and we can actually have this hope today. There's always hope. As long as there is breath in our lungs, guess what? There is hope. And even if we have breathed our last breath, there is still hope in God. Can you imagine that when you open your eyes the next time, you shall see Him face to face. That's the future hope that we have as believers. And this is the blessing that we have in Christ. We have hope in God. No matter what happens, no matter what this pandemic will bring us, there's always hope in the Lord. And we don't know when Jesus is coming. We don't know the timing. We don't know if He's coming back today, tomorrow, or a year from now, or five years from now, or maybe a decade from now, or maybe 50 years from now. We don't know. But yet, there is hope. And going back to the letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, we, you know, he was thanking God constantly as he prays for the church. And I'd like to read that again in verse 2. He said, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and our Father <clears throat> your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope. <clears throat> and I'd like to read from the NIV. It says, uh, your uh, work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice these three things that Paul used to describe the Thessalonians, faith, hope, and love. Sounds familiar? These are the three abiding principles that we can also find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. When he said this, and now these three remain, 
faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I'd like to just go through the three commendations of the Apostle Paul to the believers in Thessalonians. And even for us today, I believe that this has a lot of applications for us. First thing is work produced by faith. Now, how many of you have worked? Okay, we, we have worked. For those of you who are employed, you have, you have worked. But, you know, the work in this particular case in Greek means good deeds or your daily actions. It is not talking about the job that you go to, like working as a pastor or working as a call center agent or working as a doctor or working as an accountant. It is referring to the way you live, being a good neighbor, caring for the poor, being pure and faithful to your wife, raising up godly kids. This is the work that the Apostle Paul was referring to, uh, uh, the work uh, that is an outcome of our faith. Real faith really works. Would you say that with me? Real faith really works. Type that in the chop box, okay? Uh, these are the works that resulted in their faith in God. It means that their faith is not merely theoretical or philosophical or even sentimental. It is faith in action. It is, you know, my question for us today is, is our faith like that? Is our faith translated to an action or is it just a mental ascent or a belief, you know? When you have faith, it should push you to an action or it should push you to, to good deeds. You know, what does our faith produce? It is a faith that is busy. It is a faith that works. You know, they do not work in order to get saved. Rather, they work because they are saved. It is an outcome of their relationship with God. The reason why they work, the reason why they have good deeds is because of their relationship with Jesus. You know, many people today still believe that they still need to work, do good things in order to get saved. I want to remind everybody, salvation is a free gift. And if you can just recall Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one <coughs> can boast. We are saved through faith. By God's grace, upon receiving the gift of salvation that only Christ can give. You know, we're not just saved, by the way, so that we can go to heaven. How many of you think that, you know, being saved is just getting a fire insurance from hell? You know, it's not about just that. You know, if you, if you want to go to heaven right after you get saved, just let us know because we can help you by maybe doing a longer baptism. So the next time you open your eyes, off, off to heaven you go. But you are saved for a reason. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God works in us so that we can do His work. In other words, there's always a purpose, a reason why you and I are saved here on planet Earth. You know, we... We're saved so that we can actually serve people. We're saved so that we can actually be a blessing to others. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your what? Your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our faith in God produces works so that we can bring others to God. Going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says, And you became imitators of us, and he was, the Apostle Paul was talking to the, to the church, you know, because they lived a certain way, an example. They set them 
imitator of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Can you imagine this? The Thessalonian believers follow the example of Paul and Silas and now they are setting the example for the other believers in other places. And that's exactly what God wants us to have. You know, as you know, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And we are to be an example for others in the area of faith, in love, in speech, in purity. You know, our faith ought to be contagious to others. The Thessalonian believers has a, you know, had a genuine conversion or transformation. You know, most of them were worshippers of idol. But when they heard the message of the Apostle Paul, they left their false gods and they turned to the one true God. Let me just say this. True faith always leads to action, which leads to a changed life. True faith always leads to action, which leads to a changed life. My question today is this. Is your faith recognizable by others? Will people notice the work of the gospel in your life? Let me just use this example or illustration or this question. If you get arrested today for being a Christian and you were put on trial, my question is this. Is there enough evidence for you to be found guilty to convict you that you are indeed a Christian? Christianity is not just a confession from the mouth, but a demonstration of one's changed life because of his faith in Christ. You know, when my brother and I got saved many, many years ago, we were, I was 18 years old and I got saved. A week later, my brother got saved at 17 um, years of age. Um, you know, we, we were usual teenage boys who, you know, who love life. But yet, our parents noticed the change in our lives. Me and my brother, after getting saved, we started going home early. We were focused on our study, and we became more polite as teenagers. I mean, this faith that we have had had some external effect, and it impacted even my parents. And guess what? They actually were ministered to as well by some of their friends, and after about three months, of watching us, they also got saved and followed us as well. Second thing about the Apostle Paul's observation with the Thessalonians is labor prompted by love. You know, in this particular case, the labor in Greek means literally hard work or toil. Love is the origin of your work. And the reason why we do our work, I hope, is because we love doing it. You know, it's, it's prompted out of love. The work that we do for others, for Christ, should be born out of love. And love for God is what motivates us to serve people. Faith is directed toward God and Christ, but love is directed toward others. And I believe that the reason why God created us to be in a community or in a family is because we have the opportunity to express love to other people. Can you imagine if you're living alone? How can you express love? Learning to love yourself. Is that the greatest love of all? You know, the greatest love of all is learning to sacrifice and to give of yourself to others. That's an expression of your love. In the early church, it is sometimes meant uh, sharing their possession with each other. 
uh, rich members sacrificing, selling their possession to give to the poor so that the poor members or people can also have provision. I believe that it is love that prompted Mother Teresa to take care of the lepers in Calcutta, India. It is love for the lost that motivates our church and our movement to send missionaries to other nations. It is love that motivates us to plant churches. It is love that motivates us to help scholars in real life. It is love that helps us and motivates us to do good work and serve our community and to be a blessing in this city, and so on and so forth. You know, there are things that we have done that you can never pay, but we just did it. You know, like I have done some things out of love, and you can't pay me money even if I do it. You know, for example, if I, if I ask you this question, what if there's a job offer, okay? And the job is to be a vomit and poop cleaner. You know, if you open, for example, uh, you know, uh, ads in the paper or maybe you've seen in the internet, okay, uh, uh, hiring people who want in the section of paper, okay, uh, hiring now, vomit and poop cleaner. Would you take that job? If they pay you about 500 pesos a day, guess what? Every parent who is watching this worship service right now has done that. I have done that. My wife has done that. We had four babies. Now, of course, they're grown up. My, my, my son is now with the Lord. But when we had them as babies, we cleaned each baby. We cleaned soil diapers. I cleaned vomit. And I remember uh, when I was carrying my first child. Bea, if you're watching, sorry. Okay. But you were a baby then, okay? And so, you know, I, I was a new dad. And I was carrying my baby. And, you know, oops, without even warning. There's vomit all over and there's poop. You know what? I was not expecting any payment then and now. We did it out of love. From the youngest, I mean, from the oldest to the youngest, we serve them. It was a labor out of love. And I believe that you parents can remember that. And if you are watching kids, I want you to take this opportunity and time to thank your mom and dad. Thank you for cleaning me up when I was a baby. You know, they received your vomit and they received, uh, let's change the topic already, okay? And so, you know, I remember my dad, um, you know, when my mom got sick in her last years uh, when she was alive, my dad took the time to take care of my sick mom. And he would carry her to the bathroom. He would feed her. He would give her a bath because my mom could hardly walk. But yet, you know, my dad did that not because he was being paid. He did that out of love. And my mom passed away, but she passed away knowing full well that my dad loved her so much. He labored hard to be with mom, but he did it out of love. Thank you, dad. And this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about when we serve and labor. We do it out of love. Our labor is to originate from love. And I serve a God who loved me first. He loved me so much that He gave His only Son. And why shouldn't I serve Him? Why shouldn't I love Him back? I serve Him not because I'm wanting to love Him more. He loved me already. That's the proof already. I'm not expecting something in return anymore. I'm simply responding to the love that God has given to me. And that's the reason why we serve Him. It is a labor 
of love. Third and final point is this, endurance inspired by hope. And I believe that nowadays, you know, after what, 15 months of being under lockdown, one or no more, maybe one and a half years already, you know, we need endurance. We need to be steadfast in our walk with the Lord. We need to be unwavering in our hope in Christ. You know, hope is the third thing. And normally when you talk about hope, it is directed to the future, towards the future. You know, if you're familiar with the Apostles' Creed, we always say, uh, you know, as we recite the Apostles' Creed, Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. There is a future that we're awaiting, that Jesus is coming back as a king and as a judge. He will come back as a judge. He will judge both the living and the dead. That is something to look forward to. Now, if you are a believer, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of because you are saved. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. You are saved, born again. You're going to heaven. You're going to go with Him. But if you are not a believer, it's something to be fearful about. Fearful of. And we cannot just Think about the coming of the, the reason why people are scared nowadays because of the coming of the Lord is because they are not saved. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know the outcome. You know, one of the, Lord's, one of the lines of the Lord's prayer is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A day will come where in heaven will be placed here on earth and we're going to be living in heaven on earth. And that's something to look forward to in the future. In other words, we know there is still something we are looking forward in our experience and in our walk with the Lord. You know, as we're walking with the Lord right now, yes, we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're walking in purity, uh, you know, supplied by the grace of God. But yet there is still something out there that we are waiting forward. You know, for those of you who are maybe single, okay, you're looking forward to something in the future, right? For those of you who are newly uh, married, you're looking forward to having your first child in the future, and so on and so forth. For those of you who are uh, going through college, you're looking forward to maybe graduating. Of course, you're looking forward to graduating and finding a new job. There is still something that we are longing for as believers, as Christians, and that is second coming. The Thessalonian believers were experiencing a lot of hardships, a lot of persecution, a lot of afflictions. What kept them forward? Their steadfastness of hope in Jesus. You know, studies have shown when they were doing this study among the prisoners in a concentration camp uh, that those who hang on to hope have a better chance of survival. And only those who are able to see beyond the prison walls are able to survive and see even their loved ones after that concentration camp. Jesus is coming back someday. Now, if you ask us, even Pastor June, even Pastor JJ, no one knows when that will be. But we know he's coming back. And we're actually nearer now than when the Apostle Paul was writing this 2,000 years ago. Jesus has been saying that since the time of the Apostles, the time of my coming is near. But he has not come yet. You know, back in the 70s or 80s, there was a rapture fever uh, they were expecting Jesus to come back already during the time, 1980s. Uh, a book was written, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. You know how the people uh, responded because Jesus is coming? Some 
uh, even maxed out their credit cards and plan to leave the debt to the Antichrist uh, during that time because they said, Jesus is coming back soon, so why don't we just enjoy life? In fact, uh, you know, as we do this, we're not going to do it. And Jesus, guess what? Jesus has not come back yet. And those who maxed out their credit cards are still paying probably their debts until now. But what do we do while waiting for His return? We receive the gospel. And as believers, we must also bring the gospel forth to others. We're called to share the good news to others. I'd like to read from verse 8 to 10. It says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia, in Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. So that you need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned from God to God from idols to serve the living and a true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, the last verse really is such an important verse for us to keep. Jesus is returning soon. He's coming back someday. You know, He is the God we serve. He is our Savior. He's coming back as King. He's coming back as judge. But we don't know when that will be. But we must be ready. Christians believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And, you know, if we believe that, then nothing is too hard for Him. And because of that, we can actually be a people with stubborn hope that no matter what we go through in life, no matter what difficulties we're facing in this pandemic, we can have stubborn hope. It's unshakable. We can cling on to that hope that Jesus is returning. And because I know for a fact and I know surely that Jesus is coming back, I'll never give up. I will be here. I'll stand firm while I'm waiting for His return. We have a hope for a better future so that when the present looks dark, we can still have joy in Him in the midst of our afflictions. Before I close this sermon in prayer, I'd like to read this last verse in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7 to 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is near. My encouragement for us today is put your hope in God. Don't let your soul be downcast by all these things that are happening to us. We can hang on because He who calls us is faithful till the very end. Let's just bow our heads right now as we pray. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for all of us who are going through this time of difficulty. There's no one exempted, God. We're going through this together. We're facing griefs. We're facing losses. We're facing a lot of things. Some of us have gone through more difficult situations than others. Some have lost their careers, business have gone down, jobs, opportunities. Some have lost, maybe there are, some are sick. And Lord, we are praying for your grace. Lord God, even for those who are sick right now. But we pray for healing. We pray for your restoration. We pray for the strength of God to be upon them. Some have lost loved ones. 
We're praying for comfort, God. We're praying for strength. We're praying for grace. That you will sustain them even during this hour of waiting. Lord, one of the most difficult things to do is to wait. And we're waiting for something that is sure to come. But the thing is, we don't know when it will come. But Lord, I pray, God, that you will strengthen us in the faith. Strengthen us in hope as we wait in joyful expectation of your second coming, God. And I think that we will not be Christians that are weird out, Lord, with all these theories. But Lord, let us be salt and light. Let our light shine so that men who watches us will be ministered with the good deeds that we give out to others. And may you use our mouth as heralds, as preachers of the gospel, that Jesus came, lived a life, and he died on that cross. On the third day, he resurrected on the, on the grave, from the grave, from the dead. So that he can actually pay the penalty for our, all our sins. For those of you who are watching and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, today you can be certain about that hope. You can be certain about your destination in life, in the future. When Jesus comes, you're going to be safe and secure. I want you to follow along with me and I want you to invite Jesus Christ in your heart right now. Let's, let's just pray right now and follow this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner, being a Savior. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for the grace you've given to me. Thank you for taking all my sins to the cross and paying the penalty for everything that I have done. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, that from this day on, I am certain of my relationship with you and I have hope that when you return, I am now going to be received as a child of God. Thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you pray that prayer, congratulations. And we do want to receive, uh, you know, some report from you. If you want to connect with us, just go ahead and type. Uh, you know, you'll see that on the screen, Victory Church, uh, victoryalabang.church slash connect. And if you need any prayer, victoryalabang.church slash pray. And so we want to connect with you. And, you know, just anything that you need to be ministered to, please go ahead and uh, reach out to us and definitely we will be there to stand with you. So I'd like to end this uh, service by just praying for us and giving us our final benediction. Father, thank you so much that, uh, Lord, you have been gracious to all of us and you have been faithful to us. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and He will surely do it. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your faith, hope, and love to be among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much for joining our service today. God bless you all. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.